when you spend all of that guaranteed money on the quarterback, somebody got to protect him. This is the push-off. Episode of the Push Off Podcast, your favorite weekly NFL show that discusses everything that happened last week and it gets you ready for the next time. Your host, Scott Hogan, and joining us as always, it's Dan Punch and Kick. Right. Yeah, Dan. Uh, we're back and we're back hopefully a little bit before you guys expected us because uh, it's the off season and wouldn't you know it, the news doesn't stop. But uh, what what this one is is actually a very special look into prospects and the biggest of the boys in prospects, the offensive linemen. That is what we are in for to uh, to discuss today. I I think maybe this is my favorite position group every year when we do it because these are your unsung heroes for the most part. You know, these are the guys that. If you don't have five solid ones, you don't have a good team. No matter how many skill position players you've got, no matter how good your quarterback is, if you've got two liabilities, you might go all the way to the Super Bowl and then get embarrassed by the Rams' defense. That's something that definitely could happen to you if you've got a poorly assembled offensive line. One of the best young stars in the NFL. Right. I was going to say, or let's say they get hurt right before the the game and then you got the Buccaneers (laughs) up your butt. That happened a year ago. So hey, offensive, offensive line, it, it really important. flips it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's what we want to talk about this week. Uh, we're mostly going to be straight up focused on that. Um, I can, because what news between from now and when we recorded before, I've got that Bobby Wagner got signed by the Rams. Let's just get that yeah. through. Uh, big money, four years, $50 million to stay in division and play against the uh, Seahawks where his whole career was prior to that. Well, so it's interesting. He's been West Coast his whole life. I mean, he went to Utah State. It was a second-round pick out of Utah State. He played. I mean, he grew up in, in L.A. You know, he's an mm-hmm. L.A. guy. He went to high school in L.A. So it, it does make sense for him to have a homecoming. Um, you figured, if anything, you might, you know, wind up going to the Chargers if that was the case. Um, they got a bit more cap room, especially. But Once again, we've talked about it before. The cap doesn't make sense, especially yeah. when you're the L.A. Rams. And that's the thing, too. Is at the same time when the Rams are – throwing around all this money it's like where did they get this um only other news i wanted to hit here tonight uh is another nfc uh west news is frank gore is going to be joining the 49ers for a day contract and you know what that means frank gore is retiring you hate to hear it i know we didn't want to see this day come but uh here's the thing he owes nobody nothing more no. the guy the guy who had an amazing long career. I mean, Frank Gore was one of the greatest running backs of his generation. I mean, the statistics for Frank yeah. Gore don't make any goddamn sense when you look at him. He's a top <laughs> five all time running back. Like you don't think about him in that in that sense, but he's his durability, his longevity, the fact that he came back from two massive knee injuries when he was in Miami to have the career that he's had is phenomenal. And also, we'll never forget Frank Gore's dick. Uh, in those playoff games, <laughs> a man who clearly was not wearing an athletic supporter for the duration of his career. And, you know, friend is hogging out. So good for you, Frank Gore. Good for you. Congratulations. And I guess his kid probably wasn't going to make it to the league. And so he figured, ah, eh, maybe I'll cut my losses here rather than, you know, wait on the waivers <laughs> one more year. But Frank Gore, man, a top five. I don't feel it emotionally, but statistically a top five all-time running back. Really stunning. There you go. So if you don't feel it emotionally... Hall of Fame. Hall of Fame. Hall of Fame. There there comes Frank a Gore. certain point with statistics where you have to just kind of acquiesce to them, mm-hmm. you know, and you go, all right, he's statistically so good that he's going to be in the Hall of Fame because um, he has to be because you can't tell the story of the NFL well without Frank Gore. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, you can't tell it well you. without Frank Gore. You can tell it, but you can't tell it well. Um, you know, he was part of a Super Bowl run uh, with the 49ers. He was fucking amazing back then. He was a guy that, yeah, just had that incredible longevity. It was a real power runner when power runners were seen as kind of like fading uh, prominence. But, yeah, Frank Gore, just consistency, longevity. I think he's not going to be a first ballot. I don't even think he's going to be like five ballots. He's going to be one of those guys that's near the end of his, uh, you know, his time on the on the ballot where they're like, eh, maybe he's going to go to the senior committee, but he's eventually going to get in. He just has to. Yeah, yeah, I think I would love that, and uh, hopefully he does. And yeah, signing a one day contract with the Niners—that was where most of his uh, successful and his career was. He played in many other places though, so. Good for Frank Gore. Hate to see you hang it up, but I get it. Um, okay, well, we're here to discuss the big hog mollies. To you know, segue from Frank Gore, <laughs> the, the guy, the big offensive lineman, uh, the blockers for the running backs, for the quarterbacks, keeping them upright. Uh, but not just interior. We're going to talk about the tackles as well. Mm-hmm. We have a good list of guys that could play a lot of positions. Uh, along the line have played a lot of positions along the line these guards that have moved to tackle because they're the best offensive linemen on their college team you know those type of players so dan i think you got a little list here uh of a uh, like nine we're gonna go through so let's not dwell let's get started yeah um the jacksonville jaguars are on the clock they've been on the clock here for a couple months their uh their time on the clock is ending in less than a month get excited um <laughs> Do they take an offensive lineman to protect Trevor Lawrence? I mean, they went, they've gone defense so many drafts. Is it time to protect the young golden arm uh, and golden haired uh, guy there? Dan, uh, let's start here, though. Who Who's your favorite offensive lineman in this class? So my favorite one in the class is, this is tough for me because this is not necessarily who I think is the best or most pro ready. Okay, awesome. Okay. It, my favorite one, by far, watching film, watching breakdown. And film is was actually really hard to come by this year, which is crazy. Mm. Every year we've done this scouting, I'm usually, I can usually find game film, you know, offensive game film for almost all these guys. I had to really scour the internet for a lot of this. Um, and some of it was like, it was just tough. It was tough watching entire offensive uh, performances, uh, especially for the first school, uh that we're going to talk about, which is NC State's own Ikemefuna Iki Ekwonu. Oh, so glad you said his name first. <laughs> um, he doesn't go by that full in the the beginning, right? It's just Ikem? Uh, well, he goes by Iki now. Iki Ekwonu, yeah. yeah. Uh, NC State, yeah, this is a big boy. Um, let's see, his measurements are... I have He's 6'4". Um, there you go. He's a big boy. 3'10". And the fucking weirdest thing is, I I don't think I've ever seen a more, uh, <laughs> more out of line measurement in terms of arm length versus combine and what I saw on film. On film, okay. Iquonu's arms are fucking absolute hoses, absolute fucking fire hoses that can wrap a dude, uh, find edges super super easy. Uh, one of the things I love most about Iquonu is Iquonu is so fucking mean all the time, every single one of the blocks that he made, I would see him hit linebackers, hit defensive tackles, and he plays to one of my favorite things, which is the echo of the whistle. Um, mm-hmm. Ikuonu is an absolute echo of the whistle guy, super consistent in terms of his his motor. It would be all four quarters. It would be, um, it would be nasty all the way through four quarters. He never seemed to let guys get to him. Um, but he he really set the set the tempo and, and was hurting dudes on the on the defensive edge. So I I really like that. Um, has the strength, has the athleticism that you're looking for. Probably the most, not the most athletic, but in in terms of the guys we're going to talk about, I think it's probably number two in terms of raw athleticism, which okay. is incredible for a guy his size. He could actually add weight because it's he's a kind of slim three ten, which is strange. Um, he might be able <laughs> yeah. to add another 10 or 15 pounds. And even though there's some guys we're going to talk about that are 6'5", 6'6", 6'7", he carries that weight so well. It's such a natural fit for his body that he could actually add strength and do pretty well for himself. Um, so he's 
he's one of the other things that I, I always love when I, I look at a guy. He's a former wrestler. So, okay, yeah. first off, can you imagine having to fucking wrestle this dude? <laughs> first Oof. and foremost, this is an enormous human being. Um, the one thing that is, is strange is his technique is not there, especially in pass pro. His run blocking is pro ready right now. You could plug him in left side, right side. If you've got a need at the offensive line, you could move him inside if you really want to waste the talent. But you could move him to either tackle position and run a run-heavy offense immediately, today, no problems. He is still going to need some work. He's still going to need to have a little technique shit in terms of a pass pro, but that's all it is. It's just, you know, he doesn't set himself up real well, especially for a wide nine, but most tackles handle that poorly anyway. Um, He doesn't handle multiple moves very well from an interior defensive position. So if if a guy is setting up kind of on the inside and decides to stunt towards him, he does not handle that well. Um, But all of it is just technique. Um, But his technique is good enough right now to be a starter in the NFL, and his athleticism is good enough that this prospect could be one of the better offensive line prospects that came out in the last like three or four years. Yeah, uh, we talk draft position here, and you look at all the mock drafts. He is a top 10, almost a guaranteed top 10, as uh, his stock's just risen uh, since the end of college football. So um, he's mocking in there. I mean, Jaguars, some people say he could go one to the Jaguars, uh, just get slotted in there as like the the, starting left tackle. But they are bringing Greg Robinson back. Mm-hmm. This guy has been actually compared to Greg Robinson in his rawness. They're like, yeah, it's like Robinson coming out of Auburn again. The other NF- NFL.com comparison they gave him is Kalechi Osemele. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I don't I don't want to agree with you now. But uh, no, so, yeah, I, I think Robinson was thicker. I think Robinson had a thicker chest. Robinson had a thicker base. Um, had the same level of nasty but didn't really have the athletic uh, upside, strangely enough. Okay. Um, and Osemele, I, I think it's only because they're both fucking African dudes, but Osemele was a much better pass protector, and I think uh, Ikuonu has him beat in terms of the run game and just straight-up nasty. So it, they're kind of it, interesting. They're hybrid of both. Uh, I think he's got the Robinson nasty. I think, uh, you know, he, he does not have the assembly pass pro okay uh, he he's might be your favorite on the offensive lineman we're talking about offensive linemen going very early as they do so are we saying that e-word is icky elite no he oh not. no the... well i could hear the pass protection i could hear that yeah. in there maybe the rawness maybe he can become elite it's hard for me to – so when you're just taking a, a straight-up scouting standpoint, we've kind of talked about yeah. this a little bit before. When you're just scouting, for me to grade somebody as an elite prospect, that is not only do I think you are ready to go right now and cannot fail in the NFL, but I think you truly will be fantastic. There's going to be a couple guys that we talk about where I'm like, I know they're not going to fail in the NFL, but I don't think they'll <clears> be <throat> like stars. You know, I – I think Ikuonu could wash out of the league if he doesn't fix some of these technique things, but I think they're very fixable. Um, okay. If he doesn't fix them, he could wash out. And because of that, I can't give him the status of elite. Okay. Um, but you said there might be some guys that even you t- we talk about today that can go ahead of him. So if we move on to the next, who yeah. else is up near the top here? Who else is a top offensive lineman people are looking at? So there's actually two more linemen that I am giving a top 10 grade to. Since, since we started with Iquonu, and you know I, I'm not giving out any elites for the offensive line position. I apologize. Uh, mm. But there's no elites at the offensive line this year. There is, however, a fuck ton of first-round draft picks. And, in fact, three, in my mind, top 10 offensive linemen. Ooh, okay. Okay, well, who's the next guy? Who's another so, guy that's going very early? Uh, the next one is Evan Neal. Who's an offensive? I had a tank. feeling you were talking about him. Yeah. Evan Neal, he is out of uh, Alabama, Alabama and has been their tackle, what, for a couple of years now, right? Yeah, he was a three-year starter in Alabama, which by itself is fucking impressive. Isn't that impressive? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, six, seven and a half is, an, is a range. I got 337 pounds. This man is huge. Yes. He is uh, Some seeing enormous. him, he could be a top pick. 
Yeah, there's been a lot of mocks that have him going number one as well. Uh, if not there, very soon after. Like you're right, top ten. So this guy is a top ten. The The big knock for me on him is, one, n- almost no nasty. I don't know if they remove the nasty from offensive linemen at uh, Alabama, Alabama, but he's technically very sound, very sound, good athlete, um, is very heavy to play the left side. Uh, they have his weight listed somewhere at around three, 340. I think that's bullshit. I think the guy played at around 350. So I, I think he had a playing weight of around 350. I think at the combine he came in at 337. He looked really good. He looked pretty lean. But that's not going to be his playing weight. He's going to be a big man. He's a guy that could play the left side, but I don't necessarily think has uh, the feet with it. Um, he's He's got good anchor, good base, but doesn't have that lateral quickness that you're looking for in modern left tackles. Um, the okay. sort of lateral quickness that Equonu very much does. Um, I, I don't know. I feel like you're still going to yeah, this guy's going to be tried at left tackle initially. You're just going to say that maybe he's going to find most of his success on the other side at right. So Neil very easily could play right tackle right now. And he very easily could slide inside to guard, which I know sounds strange, but it, uh. if you're taking a, if you take an offensive line prospect that doesn't have great lateral quickness, but has great technique great positioning, great understanding of uh, the offense, that's a guy that you can put inside to guard, run inside trap plays, uh, run draw plays that require a bit of acting. The guy's an excellent technical offensive lineman, even without the top-tier athleticism that I think some people are pretending that he has. Um, This is very much a guy who can play for any team in the NFL right now and will fill one of these five positions, no matter where you go. The only position I don't think he can play is center, and that's probably because he hasn't tried it. Okay. So you were saying you like Icky better and we like Aquano, but if uh, you were in need of an interior offense alignment much more and you were solidified on the tackle spots as a uh, team, do you see yourself picking Neil first? Over him, I would. They're both available. I would. I, if if I said to myself, I feel like I've got a left tackle, um, and I wanted to make sure that this fucking landed, and I got yeah. a prospect that I can plug in right now, I'm probably going Neil. If I okay. look at my left tackle and say the guy's a little old, you know, I need a, a prospect. You know, maybe my I'm weak on the right side, and my left's pretty good, but he's getting along in the tooth. I'm going Equonu because I have the potential there to get a starter within a year or two if I can get some of that technique shit figured out. Let me give you some uh, NFL comparisons for Evan Neal. Uh, NFL.com said Jordan Melata. I think it's just because they're both big. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Bleacher Report says Marcus Gilbert. Another big one. Yeah. And then the the DraftNetwork.com, Marcus McNeil from the Chargers back in 2006. Okay. Um, I'm going to give you one that's actually complimentary with an insult on the end. <laughs> uh, I think of him as a low-effort, low-intensity Quentin Nelson. Okay, yeah. And that's that sounds weird because you're like, Quentin Nelson, he's one of the best guards in the NFL. But that's because he's fucking angry all the goddamn time. <laughs> But right. I don't see Neil as being angry. He's got the good technical precision, but none of that nasty. And so that's, like I said, this guy is still a top 10 pick. This guy is still, to me, a can't-miss prospect, but he's a can't-miss prospect who isn't elite. So you have yeah. to think about that as a balance. I still think he's a top 10 pick in terms of everything he's going to give you out the gate, but he's not elite. Um. Yeah, you're right. I don't see a lot of mocks that have him going past panthers at number six that's just where it looks like if he's sitting there the giants have two picks there giants don't have a working offensive line quite yet i mean would fit perfectly so we'll see how far he lasts we'll see if anybody's really fallen in love with him want to trade up for the guy you know i don't know um but dan you said that they don't have to go get icky and evan neal because you see a third offensive lineman going top 10 what who I do you got to tell us so <laughs> this is going to sound strange because this position is generally of all the five offensive line positions this is one that is not well thought of but tyler uh, linderbaum 
Okay, the center out of Iowa. This guy got so fucking close to getting an elite grade, Scott. He got so close to getting an elite. I have two problems with him. Um, Small. Very small. He's six foot two, under three hundred pounds. In the modern NFL, you're going to need to add more weight, or you're going to run a zone specific scheme. So you're that saying your problem? Said, I'm sorry, your problem isn't small that you have for him. Your problem is that he is small. My problem <laughs> is that he is small. My okay, problem is that he is you. small. For Please a continue. center, that's yeah. not terrible. But you've got yourself a undersized center, don't you? Oh Scott? boy. Yep. And I tell you what, we're. We're looking to replace him. You can tell that. Garrett Bradbury, you're right. And when it, when he was drafted, we were there in Nashville. Uh, I celebrated it because it seemed like a wonderful fit. It just made sense. It was one of those picks for the Vikings. He it has guys up his grill all day long. As an undersized, you're right. As an undersized center, you, you are all of a sudden always challenged with their biggest uh, push uh, drive guy inside. And so if Linderbaum can take care of those, what are you thinking? So I think he's going to need help, especially handling uh, zeros. I mean, everybody kind of needs help handling a zero, any of the nose guys or even a one technique tackle. I think he's going to struggle mm-hmm. there. He's going to struggle with power up the center, um, which is tough because his anchor isn't fantastic. The thing that I loved about him and the thing that I think you'll love if you're an NFL team that uses a lot of motion, uses a lot of bootlegs, things like that, this dude's athletic ability at the offensive line is fucking phenomenal. It's phenomenal. This guy looks like a tight end in terms of the way he moves on the offensive line, has great sense of linebackers at the second level. If he doesn't have uh, a direct man block, he's going to find somebody, and he's going to put that fucking guy on the ground if that guy's engaged somewhere else. He's going to give you a great amount of uh, pull capability. Like, you're going to be able to pull from the center position, which is very uncommon. So he's got that level of athleticism. It's really just the fact, if he was like an inch taller and like 15 pounds heavier, you know, and could carry it, because he's kind of carrying the maximum of his weight. You know, I don't Mm. think, even if you got him in a pro, you know, pro weight room, he's going to add like five pounds. You know, he might tip the scales at 300 but this guy at center needs to be about 310 in order to anchor properly. And I just don't know if he's going to get there because he's a gym rat. I mean, the guy is maxing out his frame a little bit. He's got great athleticism, but I don't know if he's going to be able to carry the weight he needs to. Yeah. And, you know, I was good for offensive linemen, but uh, the comparisons there, as I said, Garrett Bradbury, like a stronger Garrett Bradbury, or Jason Kelsey, who's also a little bit of a smaller. Uh, center now, Jason Kelsey really worked out well for his career. We'll see if that works. Uh, was he a wrestler too, Linderbaum? Uh, he, I believe he was. Yeah, I, I had that multi-sport wrestling, baseball, and then I also played some D line. Yeah, the dude's a- athletic ability is tremendous. It is a mm-hmm. tremendous level of athletic ability. I'm going to give you a weird analogy. Um, okay, this is just because I'm a Cowboys fan, but uh, my my parallel is actually Mark Stepnoski. When I was watching this guy, I think one of the reasons why I fell in love with him is he reminded me so much of Mark Stepnoski in terms of great understanding of the offensive line, great understanding of the run game, great understanding of where his teammates are at all times, um, but not the biggest fucking guy in the world. Um, not necessarily uh, a mauler or a road grader. I'm actually, I had to look it up. Mark Stepnoski was six foot two, 265 pounds. Yeah, okay. And and played on maybe one of the greatest offensive lines of all time in the early 90s Dallas Cowboys offensive line. I don't think I'm talking out of turn that that <laughs> offensive line was insane. Okay. But Stepnoski was was the engine that made it go because he was so smart. He was so able – had a great ability to call adjustments at the line, um, understood protection, understood his quarterback. I see a lot of that from Linderbaum. Um, on the offensive line, you see him calling out protections. You see him getting his teammates in the position to be successful and made Iowa a team to be reckoned with this year that maybe wasn't that talented. We're not talking about a lot of other Iowa prospects this year, are we, Scott? No, that's true. Well, not yet anyways, but uh, we haven't gotten to the tight ends yet. <laughs> that's true. It's um, true. Mox, I'm looking at this. You're saying Linderbaum is, should be a top 10 guy, but uh, the Mox, and maybe it's because this whole interior, you know, who wants to take a center or a guard that early? The, about the earliest I see him go is like Ravens at 14, 
mostly it's a mid to late first rounder for him. Yeah, and I think whoever gets him mid to late first round is getting a steal because nice. in terms okay. of talent and ability, this guy is a top 10. If he was an inch taller and 15 pounds heavier, this would be an elite prospect. Nah, okay, okay. Uh, that's exciting then. Um, who is the next guy on this list as we move through here? You got the three down so far. These are going to be mm-hmm. very early guys. You like them going top 10. Where's the next? So uh, the next one, let me get my offensive tackles, uh, is my good friend Charles Cross mm-hmm. out of Mississippi Charles State. Charles Cross, Mississippi State. This guy, actually, I saw him going somewhat early in the draft as, as tackles. You know, you get a run on them. 6'5", 307 is what I have down for him. Uh, and looks every bit of it. He's actually a very lean 307 as well. He's a, a redshirt sophomore, so, you know, kind of getting as much as much as he's going to get out of there. Like he's still going to, yeah, yeah, he's still going to get some size. That's, that's the thing that's nice. Um, he's not incredibly athletic, but has, you know, has positional flexibility right now that could be a right tackle immediately. Um, probably looking to move to the left side, especially because his pass protection is so good. He has great feet, good body control, good athlete, not Great in terms of uh, getting out in motion on run blocks, um, but good. He's very athletic in a phone booth, I guess is the best way to put it. Um, not so athletic in terms of you know stretching that shit out. And uh, you know if you're in a heavy motion offense, so if you're if you're scouting Tyler Linderbaum because of the way your offense functions, you're probably not going to go with Charles Cross. Okay, yeah, I get that. Like he seems like a beast. He's a big guy. He's not going to get bowled over, but you know. If if he misses on the second chance blocks, those those linebackers, he's not gonna catch him. Um, now Mox and everything else, I'm seeing him going before Linderbaum, and again, this is probably tackle over center mm-hmm. and what you need. Uh, he could go top ten. I'm seeing if uh, do you see him worth that? I I think it's a reach. I think it's a reach. Okay. Um, just because of all the technique problems he has. I mean, we're talking about a Quonu's technique problems, but still, he's a top ten pick um charles cross is not as good at anything but pass pro he's not better than than icky and has sloppier technique kind of all the way through like his pass protection is nice and athletic but it's sloppy so this is another guy that you're taking as a prospect i have him as a late first in terms of the way i assessed his talent out the gate i've got a lot of uh nfl comparisons for you for him there i go Taylor Moten and his physicalness, Tritton Wirfs and his play. The strange physical thing is, side. I'm sorry, Taylor Moten and his physical look. In his physical look, okay. Um, I mean, the Tristan Wirfs play. I don't know. I, I don't know where that's coming from because <laughs> Tristan Wirfs was he was an elite. I mean, he's one of our only elite prospects. We gave out two elite that's prospect true. grades to offensive linemen, and he's not better than either of them. Um, mm. Okay. The weird thing is he reminds me a little of kind of a heavier, less athletic Tyron Smith in terms okay. of has great size, great length, has you know this capability to be a really good tackle out the gate. Um, whether he's going to be a left or a right is kind of up to him and how he's going to address his technique shit. Uh, Draft Network said Laramie Tunsil for him. That's pretty good. Tunsil was bigger and better in run block, but yeah, actually, it, their pass pro is very similar. That's a good. That's a good one. But uh, you know, Seattle's picking there now at number nine. Mm-hmm. The last time Seattle had a top ten first round draft pick, they were taking uh, their longtime tackle Russell Okung. So yeah. there we go. This is a yeah. chance to to do that. Um, Saints are picking at eighteen. They need a new uh, offensive tackle too. He might still be there at eighteen. So yeah, there's some places there that Charles Cross could fit in quite nicely for teams that need. Uh, we'll see where he goes. Um, oh boy! But already another first rounder. We have four mm-hmm. offensive linemen. We're through. They were all going night one Thursday night. Is there another Dan? Could there be? There is. What? Who are we talking about? Uh, We are going to be talking about Kenyon Green out of uh, Texas A&M. 
Texas A&M, Kenyon Green. Yeah, yeah. this guy, um, go ahead. Uh, he was born in Humble, Texas, which is actually uh, where where my sister was born. He was born in Humble, Texas. Oh. So you got to love stuff like that. Um, 6'4", this is, 323. Uh, 6'4", 323, and looks it. Um, has <laughs> several biscuits located uh, around his midsection that he has not worked off. This is a... This is kind of a classic interior guard. Um, this is a guy with a lot of nasty. Uh, this is a guy with, in terms of his physical stature, when you think of an offensive lineman, especially an interior offensive lineman, goddamn, it's it's fantastic. Um, not a great athlete. Um, is very mean, very strong, good in run block, isn't a guy that uh, handles speed very well, which is why he cannot move to the outside. But mm. in terms of, so say you had Linderbaum and you had this guy, uh, you love them taking on a zero or a one because they're going to neutralize that motherfucker. Because uh, this guy one-on-one right now with any three technique in terms of power rush is going to be able to stone him. And that's pretty impressive. This is a this is a big body guy with a great base, a great anchor, um, is a good knee bend for a guy his size. You know, usually you see these guys get a little bit over their toes, but great push. Um, doesn't doesn't do pass pro very well because he just doesn't like to get himself moving backwards. Um, I know that sounds a little odd for an offensive lineman, but doesn't do that very well. He wants to take like one step and anchor. He doesn't want to like kick back and be in a in a heavy motion offense. That's not where he's going to thrive. But still, because of his strength, because of the nasty, because of a lot of his natural ability, I'm I'm putting him in the late first round because he can start for most teams right out the gate. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see where he goes. Uh, I think you know the Jets traded down for a guard in the middle of the first round last year. It it may be guards become more valuable to teams who need them uh, here. And if so, Kenyon Green could go pretty early. Um, but most of the mocks and stuff have him going after the tackles, those uh, Icky and Evan Neal and even Charles Cross a little bit. So maybe more around where Linderbaum is, depending on where you need for a uh, interior offensive lineman. It's funny, the uh, most mocks have him going to about two different teams, either the 27th pick to the Buccaneers or the 24th pick the Dallas Cowboys. I, I, I mean, we need if help at there, guard. Yeah, if he's there, would you be happy to have him? Or it, it depends who's available. It's kind of yeah. where I have him. It's where I have him ranked. You know, he's end of the first round to me. Um, okay. So it, I wouldn't be like butt hurt. But if Linderbaum's there, fuck no, I want <laughs> Linderbaum. Um, if Linderbaum's okay. gone, and you know, all my other. <laughs> first round because you know me scott i'm a best player available sort of guy as much as i don't want them to draft another wide receiver if garrett wilson's available i'll take him (laughs) i want value i get it i get it Um, value man nfl comparisons i have richie incognito and uh john simpson so a couple old raiders (laughs) i i was actually going to give him um a comparison a little strangely to last year's uh guard that you mentioned, Elijah Vera Tucker. Vera Tucker, um, okay. He, he reminds me a little bit that Vera Tucker was a was better in pass pro, but in terms of body size and strength, um, I, I equate them pretty nicely. Okay. Yeah, Kenyon Green, you're right, is, he's probably going to go first round as well. Be surprised if he fell out of there. So there you go. Now we got one, two, three, four, five offensive linemen that will go day one uh, that we're getting you a uh, early look into. And letting you know that um, after all of these guys, now we're probably now we're finally maybe talking guys that'll show up in uh, later rounds. What who's our, who's our next on this list, Dan? Yeah, I mean, there's a couple guys that um, are probably borderline first round picks that we're not talking about, like Trevor Penning and uh, Bernard Raymond. Um, Zion yeah. Johnson is another guy that could go, but I you know we're not talking about him. Um, the next guy in terms of uh, grade is uh, Darian Kennard. Okay, Kentucky. Yep, Kentucky. This is another. This is a big-bodied boy right here. Um, in terms of physical size, this is someone you would love to turn into an offensive tackle. That's what you'd love. Mm-hmm. Um, because this guy is six foot five. He's got thirty-five inch arms. He's three twenty-two, and he carries it well. <sighs> um, 
This yeah. is a this is a big boy, but once again, it is the feet. Um, it is the feet. The feet are not very good. He doesn't have uh, great hands. This is a guy that kind of needs to be in a phone booth to do the shit that he needs to do. He's powerful. He's powerful, but his feet are fucking bad. Um, perfect body for an offensive lineman, but the feet are fucking bad. The hands get wide. And the feet are bad. And so you could be as physically talented as you want. And there are a bunch of plays where you watch this guy and you think he might be one of the more talented prospects coming into the draft. And then you'll watch plays where he is easily beaten on inside stunts. You'll watch plays where he gets to the second level and can't locate a linebacker to block. Um, And that's the sort of shit that drives me crazy. And I think you can't take him in the first round because of that. But this is a guy that could be somewhere mid-second round just because of you know the top-end abilities he's got. He's not that fast. Once again, I don't know if I mentioned his feet, but they're terrible. <laughs> uh, if he has that bad of feet, then he, this is not a tackle, right? This is an interior guard? I think he has to be a guard because of the feet. Uh, the feet, Scott. Okay. The feet. I feel like yeah. uh, Quentin Tarantino right now. I'm talking about feet so much. But... Uh, <laughs> This yeah, this is a guy that once again keep him in a phone booth. Uh, he has a great anchor, but just in terms of getting in space, he just looks lost. Um yeah, projected round for him is you right more second third round. Uh, day two guy, we'll say day two guy, uh, Friday guy as they put the two rounds on there. Um, but again, yeah, there's going to be a need for him, and he's going to kind of go too much uh, further past a third round. Um, and then NFL comparisons I got for him was, uh, Cody Ford. Yeah. came up a couple places for him. And then the draft network said Robert Hunt. I'm going to give you Leonard Davis. Uh, okay. Uh, Leonard Davis was a top five pick and Leonard Davis washed out pretty fucking quickly. Um, actually played for the Cowboys for a little while. A lot of these guys are former Cowboys. If you haven't noticed, that's a lot of the, a lot of the analogies that <laughs> you know I have. You know what you know, yeah. He was a big-bodied guy who just looked amazing and had a bunch of nasty, but the feet weren't there. And when you draft a guy in the top five, you're generally drafting what you think is a starting left tackle. And Arizona couldn't get him to be that because he wasn't that. And he had to move inside, and I think that's a very similar thing with Darian Kennard. Okay. Um, well, then by my count, we've already done five offensive linemen. That means mm-hmm. we still got three more we got to discuss here. Uh, so who's the next one on this list? Um, so we actually have uh, Thayer Munford out of Ohio State. Okay. This was another interior guy, but a big one as well. 6'6", 328. Damn. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, he actually might wind up being a tackle. Oh, Okay. Yeah, so Thayer Munford is a guy that, in once again, in terms of size, six foot six, three twenty eight, carries it very well. This is a very yeah. big man, um, but he actually bumped inside. He was just a guard in twenty twenty one, and he 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 had a good year there, but had natural ability as um, as a tackle. Uh, he played right tackle for most of it. This is another guy that because he is so big has a tendency to um, get sloppy. Um, once again, mm-hmm. such a big guy, such a strong guy, but gets sloppy, especially with uh, smaller edge rushers. So like when he's engaging with a linebacker, which you have to face smaller edges more frequently on the outside, um, he would get sloppy and try to speed up rather than trusting his footwork to kick slide. Um, so that's another thing where you might put him on the right side and chip tackle or chip a tight end with him just because his his strength his size his length is so good that you don't want to waste that inside you know you don't want to have a guy that's that's that big and that long and that lean inside because it actually makes uh blocking in motion a little bit more difficult you know you want I'm the guys a little that, smaller inside yeah that's just saying that now uh as most things are the write-up is yeah they bumped him inside to guard last year but he's probably best interest on the outside Okay, so we're talking a, a later round tackle here. Maybe I have him down as like a fourth round guy. Yeah, I, I think a third is not unheard of, but it's just okay. because he doesn't have he doesn't have left tackle stuff that's going to cost him. You know, I don't think he's going to be great as a guard. I think he will be a better right tackle, and so that's a very strange position to be in, where you 
you'd love to take a guy who could be a left tackle and put him at right side. This is a guy that is never going to be a left tackle. He's going to have to live at right, and you don't know if he fails there if you can move him inside at guard and get anything for him. And that's a that's a tough situation. NFL comparisons I found for him is Jeff Ota or Jermaine Illuminor. Okay, um, I will give you Michael Orr. Michael Orr, okay. Yeah, Michael Orr, who was, you know, a guy that played the left side. I mean, he's not as athletic as he was, but this is a guy that played the left side, realized pretty quickly that that was not going to be where he was going to make his living, despite the movie The Blind Side, which is bullshit, by the way. (laughs) Um, You know, unless your quarterback is left-handed, he's not fucking on your blind side. Um, So, yeah, he's he's in that same... uh, he he gives me those Michael Orr vibes a little bit more, but it does look like his draft stock has kind of dropped uh, over the last few months. It just he hasn't. Uh, other people have raised above him in in terms of offensive linemen to be picked mm-hmm. here. Uh, but as we said, there's there's a good slew of them we've already gone over, and that's the reason why. Uh, after Thayer Munford, Dan, who next do you want to discuss? Uh, we are going to go with Cade Mays out of Tennessee. Cade Mays out of Tennessee. This one was uh, a fun guy to get in touch or to learn about because his uh, brother plays with him on the offensive line, right? Yeah, couple of he, couple of Mays brothers playing Tennessee. Yeah, it's uh, this is a guy in terms of size, checking all the boxes: six five, three eleven, big boy, yeah. thirty four inch arms. Once again. Got to slide him inside to guard. Um, he has played every position. Um, yeah. yeah, he's played every position. Um, he would be a very, very big center. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's either going to thrive as a center or a guard. He's going to be a very big center or a guard. Um, but once again, really good in terms of um, in terms of his run blocking. Not a not a natural fit in terms of his pass pro is a guy that can get pushed back because he's he's long, but he's a bit of a, a waist bender. Got great nasty. Um, I mean, that's a, something I think if you play next to your brother, you're you're going to have to you're going to have yeah. to be competing with him every game. Of like, I put that motherfucker in the dirt. Um, yeah. But has no elite traits. Um, that's the weird thing. Has no elite traits. Uh, is a very upright blocker. Doesn't bend the knees very well. Very much a waist bender. Um, Good punch, but doesn't have great hand placement to like hold you and direct you. That's why he can't play on the outside again. Um, but yeah, this is a this is a guy with a decent amount of strength, good sense, you know, positional awareness. This is a guy that could be a decent guard or center, probably going somewhere in the fifth round. Yeah, he's a later round guy. Um, the one thing is, uh, so not only is his brother played at Tennessee, but his de- their dad was a volunteer guard as well for Tennessee. Oh, so that it seems know. that it almost this is what he was bred to be as a Tennessee <laughs> volunteer. So now that he was that and he's going on to the NFL draft, you know, what is next? What can he do? Or is he good just with, you know, uh, being the success that he was in college. So hopefully, yeah, he gets it going. The NFL comparisons that I got for him, uh, Matt Slauson, Chase Rulier. Okay, yeah, I can I can see that. Um, who who was the fucking... Uh, Vlad Dukas. Oh, Vlad, okay. Yeah, it reminds me of Vlad Dukas, one of the ugliest motherfuckers that has ever <laughs> played in the NFL. That's not why he reminds you of him, but no, he's a he's a decent looking uh, toe headed <laughs> white play, boy. The play, the play, yeah, the play is there. Okay, well that's Cade Mays out of Tennessee, which leaves us with just one more offensive lineman to discuss, Dan. And who is that? This is an offensive lineman that you, sir, will not find on the NFL draft prospects list. It's if been you go harder. To the NFL website. Yeah, uh, this is a guy named Colin Newell out of Iowa State. So I'm saying, yeah, not everyone even scouted this guy. Why Colin Newell, Dan? So I will give you two reasons why Colin Newell, David Montgomery, and Brees Hall. Iowa State has produced two very productive running backs over the past four years, one of them being David Montgomery, the other one this year coming out being Brees Hall. One of the, you know, we haven't run through them, but Brees Hall's film is fucking nice. And one of the people that kept showing up on Brees Hall's film was Colin Newell. 
this was a guy that, in terms of the athleticism, not a not a great athlete. But in mm-hmm. terms of his field awareness, being able to get his other offensive linemen into great positions, be <laughs> there was a couple plays I would see Brees Hall hit an outside run. I would see Newell get in motion. I would see Newell right put his right arm, extend his right arm, and push out a guard or a linebacker, and then use that momentum to push him towards another defender and engage that guy. It was a great bit of situational awareness. Great calls on the offensive line in terms of picking up protection, picking up blitzes. Great calls on the offensive line in terms of getting his people in motion, getting them where they need to be, getting second-level defenders. But the athletic profile for a guy like Colin Newell does not say late-round draft pick. It says middle management at a Walmart. So Colin Newell's body isn't fantastic, but the mind that you can see and the fact that this guy runs one of the better running offenses in the NCAA and has for four years, the exception of uh, one injury kind of in David Montgomery's maybe best year. Um, Sorry, not his best year, but his pre-draft year. David Montgomery actually took a step back in his pre-draft year. His sophomore year, he had torn it the fuck up with Colin Newell as his starting center. Yeah. Um, when we talk about Colin Newell, I think the one thing we all have to remember as we discuss this is nobody else is believing that this guy is going to do much in the NFL. Dan has fallen in love with him for one reason or another, and he's telling us all about him now. <laughs> uh, whether it's just you know how he looks when he's bent over in those tight pants or if he really likes his play on the field, we've we got to suss this out from the man. <laughs> I like an Iowa State no. prospect, man. I like an Iowa you State do. prospect. Uh, no, I'm really glad that you're doing this because he could very well go undrafted. Uh, and once in a while, Dan does have his sights set on these guys, and so we get to see where they land afterwards. The undrafted free agency, you know, pull after the draft is over is kind of big. You get you can find some diamonds in the rough as it is. Uh, just having the uh, the the most. Um, you know, the quickest GM out there to go out there and get those guys once the draft's over. And, you know, this is a guy that if you are a run-heavy offense, you want a guy that understands motion, understands runs, um, a guy who maybe doesn't have that. I mean, you don't need a crazy good athletic profile to play center. You've just got to be smart, you've got to have a good anchor, and you've got to know where you're supposed to be. And he does all of those things, but once again, not only no elite traits, there's a couple traits where you're like, I, I know you're big, I know you're strong, you know, I know you're a four-year starter at Iowa State, but, I mean, he's going to have to sneak onto a roster somewhere. I think he will go undrafted, but, yeah, I just kind of fell in love with Colin Newell. All right. Um, but that's still uh, an awesome slew of offensive linemen we just went through uh, from all over the board. You've got a ton going super early on Thursday night, and then some we're going to wait around – Till Saturday to hear about their name called and what team they're going to end up on. Um, I need offensive linemen still. Like I said, that uh, we went out and got a couple of guards uh, f- that were free agents and uh, uh, recently for the Vikings, but uh, there's still there's still some holes there that need to be uh, patched up. And Dan, you you've lost a couple of starting offensive linemen this this uh, free agency too. Yeah, I don't think you can ever go wrong taking an offensive lineman or uh, secondary help. <laughs> if if you're right. drafting the offensive line or you're drafting in the secondary, congratulations, you need somebody. Um, that's yeah. every team in the NFL. I don't know anybody that's fully stocked. So uh, that's, I think, what we got. That's our show for this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, folks, we went through all nine of these guys, but add those to the, off, to the wide receivers and the edge rushers. That's the group we've uh, looked at so far. Um, coming up next, Dan, in our prospects, who, what, uh, what groups do we want to look at? Uh, we are going to be talking about interior defensive linemen. Yeah. We got the edges already, so let's wrap up the defensive line before the draft. We'll talk about those guys very soon. So subscribe to the Push Off Podcast so it just pops right there on your smartphone as soon as we, uh, you know, we, we drop. Because that's what podcasts do, right, Dan? They drop. Yeah, we <laughs> drop. We are, uh, yeah, we don't air because uh, there is no air to go over. Uh, but yeah, when we drop this podcast, uh, you know, get excited because we got prospects galore coming out of the that's woodwork. Right. There are going to be over three hundred dudes 
drafted. Like, that's fucking crazy to me, that there's going to be that many people entering the NFL, and maybe 70% of them will be on a team by the end of the training camp. Yeah. Uh, Okay, so I don't really have a set uh, crazy stat, so let me just try to to run your uh, knowledge here, Dan. Who was the last offensive lineman taken first overall in the draft? Last offensive lineman taken first overall. Yeah, the uh, number Eric Fisher. one first pick. Eric Fisher to yeah. the Chiefs. Yep, that was 2013. Before that, who was it? Orlando Pace. No, there was who? somebody before Orlando Pace. You mean after Orlando Pace? Sorry, after Orlando Pace and before Eric Fisher. Who was it? I'll give you a clue of, I'll either tell you year or a team. Which one do you want? Give me team. Miami Dolphins. Oh, yeah. Jake Long. Fuck Jake me. Long. I'm a Michigan fan. What am I doing? Uh, okay. Well, that's a good place to end it then. Uh, thank you guys for listening to our episode of the Push Off Podcast. Uh, we're going to be hitting you up with the rest of the prospects before the draft. And then we'll have something special for draft night, obviously. So stick it here uh, and uh, we'll get you... Uh, all of your new prospects and get you going for that uh you know that christmas morning you're opening up your new gifts right dan <laughs> oh the presents oh the wrapping <laughs> so uh that's our show for this week but before we leave can we please have a parting words of wisdom every single team every single year needs at least four new starters you can get them through free agency or you can get them in the draft, but you've got to get them. Otherwise, if you don't, you will find yourself looking like the goddamn Jacksonville Jaguars of last year and fielding an incomplete team. So take a look at your team, look at every position. I guarantee you, you will find four spots that you could probably use a new starter. So isolate those and start looking at prospects because maybe one of them will fall into your lap. That's right. That's right. And you'll be ready for it then. Uh, and we'll keep looking at prospects for you. So let's tune it in right here and uh, please return next time. Thank you so much for being here this time, though. I am Scott. And this is Dan. Enjoy your week and we will see you next. Goodbye. <laughs>